This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now further, he says to Peter, Peter, you are Barjona. He calls Peter uh, the son of Jonah, the son of Jonah. Now here, when he says the son of Jonah, he is reminding Peter again about the importance of his name, son of Jonah. Jonah was, we all know Jonah from the book of Jonah. Jonah was a stubborn man. Jonah was a man who wanted his own way, and he rebelled against God, and he went the other direction when God called him to preach to Nineveh, just as our brother Mike Johnson reminded us in the message. So as Peter was stubborn, when he told Christ that you're never going to go to the cross. No, that'd be far from you. That was stubbornness. So Peter, Peter was the son of Jonah. He's bar Jonah. And then Jonah failed and fell and, and ended up in, in being swallowed up by a big fish. And Peter failed and fell by denying Christ three times. And so Peter's the son of Jonah. You are bar Jonah. And then Jonah heard, and he returned to the Lord from inside the fish. He was praying inside the fish in Jonah 2.1, Jonah 2.1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And Peter heard after he fell, and God spoke to him and said, uh, come back in Mark 16.7, Mark 16.7, go your way, tell his disciples, and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee, and you'll still see him. So Peter was the son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. And then uh, Jonah repented, and he recovered when the fish vomited him up on the land. And, and so Peter returned to the Lord, ended up writing books in the New Testament. And so Peter, again, son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. And Jonah finally did end up obeying God and was a great preacher and with tremendous response from the Gentiles, the Ninevites, who turned to God just as Peter had a tremendous response from his preaching in Acts 2.38, 2.38 and 41, 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift 
of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.41, Acts 2.41. Then they that were received his word were baptized the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So Peter was the son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. Now, this is one angle of the Lord bringing to Peter's mind the significance of his name, son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. But there's a different angle that we can also look at. And that's like, and now it's looking at the Hebrew meaning of the word Jonah. The Hebrew meaning, Jonah in Hebrew is, it means dove. Dove in Hebrew is Jonah. So the first mention of the dove in the Bible is when Noah, when Noah was still in the ark and he needed, he needed the dove to do a job for him to see if the waters were dried up on the, on the earth. So Noah released the dove in Genesis 8.8. Genesis 8.8. Also, he sent forth the dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand, and he took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Now, in that little history, that little scene there, that little that little uh, episode, there are four little phrases in that short scene on the ark with Noah and the dove. And those four phrases are important for us. And they are uh, Genesis 8.8, Genesis 8.8. He sent forth a dove. Noah sent forth a dove. Genesis 8.9, 8.9. The dove found no rest. The dove found no rest. And then again in Genesis 8.9, Genesis 8.9. She returned unto him, and then again, Genesis 8 9. Genesis 8 9. He pulled her in unto him into the ark. So, those four phrases describe Peter's life. It describes our life, actually, in Christ. First, Noah sends the dove out to do a job for him. And Peter, like the dove, was sent out to do a job, to go preach the gospel, gospel for Christ. So Peter is named Bar-Jonah, the son of the dove who was sent out. And then the dove found no rest for her feet. And Peter found this world to be no home for him, no home for his soul. So Peter is named Bar-Jonah, the son of the dove. And then the dove returns back to Noah, and Peter dies and returns back to Christ. So Peter's called Bar-Jonah, the son of the dove. And then just as Noah pulled the dove into him, into the ark, so Peter, when he died and he goes to heaven, Peter is pulled in to be with Christ. So Peter is named Bar-Jonah, the son of the dove. And for those reasons, we should all be named Bar-Jonah. We should all have the same name as Peter. We should all be called Simon, we're hearing, and we should all be called the son of the dove. Because as the dove, we are sent into the world. And as the dove, we find no home in this world, no rest in this world. And as the dove, we return to Christ. And as the dove, when we die, he takes us to be with him in heaven. Now, this is all by way of address that the Lord has addressed Peter. But now the Lord is going to explain to Peter the source of how Peter was able to see and understand and know that Jesus is the Messiah and God, and God the Son. How's he able to do that? So he says in 
in verse 17, verse 17, Jesus answered, said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So what he's saying here, he says, flesh and blood hath not revealed it. He's saying, the source of your knowledge that I am the Christ and the Son of God, and God the Son, uh, Peter, is not from yourself. It's not from himself. It's not by Peter's intelligence. It's not by Peter's ability to explore and discover. It's not by Peter's study. It's not by Peter's research that Peter was able to see that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The source of Peter's knowledge of who Jesus is is not from another human. It's not from another human being. It's not by the skill of some teacher. It's not by a Bible preacher. It's not because someone taught Peter that he came to this conclusion. The source of Peter's knowledge of who Jesus is came from God the Father. It was because it was revealed to Peter by God the Father. That's how he came to this knowledge of who Jesus is. It's a matter of revelation. It's a matter of enlightenment. It's a matter of illuminations that God the Father revealed to Peter who Jesus is. God the Father turned the light on inside of Peter. God the Father enlightened the dark soul of who Jesus is. It's all about who Jesus is and how a person discovers who Jesus is. It's revelation, it's illumination, and that doesn't happen to every person. As it says in 1 Corinthians 8, 7, 1 Corinthians 8, 7, how be it, there is not in every man that knowledge. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, 1 Corinthians 15, 34, for some have not the knowledge of God. But there's a promise that God says in Proverbs 123, Proverbs 123, the promise is, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. So this deep, solemn understanding that Jesus is the Christ, that he died for my personal sins, is a revelation. And that's why the first verse in the chapter that's about Jesus dying for our sins, Isaiah 53, is... Isaiah 53.1, Isaiah 53.1, who hath believed our report, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's a matter of revelation. Okay, now the Lord goes on to further explain in verse 18, verse 18, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he says, Thou art Peter, Peter means stone, and he says, on this solid stone, there's this statement that you've just made, that's what I'm going to build my church on, that I am the Messiah and God the Son, that's the statement, and this is the rock the church is going to be built on, on who Christ is, the Messiah and God the Son. Now he says, he doesn't say, I will build the church. He says, I will build my church with an implication that those who come to be part of his group, his congregation, 
they come out of Judaism. They come out of Judaism. It reminds me of my friend, my Holocaust survivor friend, who said to me one time, the trouble with you and I is that we're just going to two different congregations, is what she said. <laughs> okay. Well, Jesus says, I will build my congregation. I will build my congregation, my group. And so he calls it my church. Why? Because of Acts 20, 30, 28, Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and all, to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He calls it my church because he bought it with his own blood. And then he says, there's going to be opposition to me doing that. He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, which means the gates of hell want to prevail against it. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be a, an op, a satanic opposition where all the forces of hell are going to unite to stop him from building his church. As it says in Ephesians 6.12, Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So what's the wrestle about? What are all these principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness? What, the, what are they all fighting for? They're fighting against the building of his church. They're fighting against the church that he's building. And then he says, the gates of hell, the gates of hell he's talking about. The gates of hell. God spoke to Job about the gates of hell in Job 38, 17. Job 38, 17. Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? See, the, the gates of death, the gates of hell, just think of them. Gates that are closed, and you come up to a gate, and when that gate all of a sudden maybe, uh, that gate just opens to you, it's inviting you. It's expecting you. It wants you to come into the gates. See, that's the gates. And the gates of hell, the gates of death, they open to welcome a person into death, into hell, gates of hell. Just imagine how terrifying that scene is where a person comes to the gates of hell, closed, and then they open for that person, and that person hears the screams inside and sees the shadow of death and the flames of hell, opening for that person. That's what the gates of hell do. The gates of hell want to open for souls. And Christ said, the gates of hell shall not be able to open for his church that he's building. By contrast, for his church, the gates of heaven open. And imagine that scene of a person comes to the gates of heaven and the gates of heaven open for that person and he hears beautiful music, and he sees the beautiful, the happiness inside and the wonderful light of Christ as the Lamb of God. And so, for these reasons, the gates of hell, they want to open for the church, but he says they will not be able to because of what he did in Isaiah 25.8. Isaiah 25.8, 
he will swallow up death in victory. The Lord will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off the earth. The gates of hell will not be able to open for the church he's building because Hosea 13, 14, Hosea 13, 14, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. And then he tells them something finally in the last verse here, in verse 20, we're going to consider. Very strange. It's difficult for us to understand this because it says, then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. They should tell no man that he's Jesus the Christ, but he wants them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so what does he mean that they should not tell anybody that he's the Christ, that he's the Messiah? He didn't want, and he charges them, it's command. And so what is this? What he's saying here is that he doesn't want people to just have a head knowledge of who he is. He wants people to find out for themselves by revelation, he said, that was coming from God the Father. Because if a person is just told that Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus is God the Son, that doesn't mean that person is going to then have a deep, solemn knowledge that will lead him into a worship and adoration of Christ. But if a person finds out for themselves because God has turned the light on, then he'll worship and adore Christ. And the same way if a person is just told that Christ died for their sins, it's just head knowledge. And head knowledge does not produce any tears of sadness that our sins were so terrible that it cost him his life on the cross. There's no tears of sadness for gratitude for what he did. But if a person discovers those truths and God has revealed it to the person, then he turns and receives Christ as his Savior. And this is a pattern that the Lord used here when he just before this, in Mark 8.22, this whole conversation he's having here, just before this, Mark 8.22, he told the blind man that. It says in Mark 8.22, he come to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked if he saw odd. He looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he's put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. He sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any town. Jesus went out and his disciples in the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and by the way, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? It was just before this, this conversation, that the Lord had told this blind man, Don't tell anyone who I am. And so, why? Because coming to Christ is a deeply personal matter. It's a matter, it's not because someone says you, says so. This is the whole issue with uh, Pharisees in John 10, 24. John 10, 24, the Jews around about him said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. It has, he wants it to be a conclusion that they come to after they deeply consider who he is, who a person is. 
I'm the sinner, he's the savior. And he wants people to come because they are convinced. They are convinced. It reminds me of Temeskin, that 12-year-old Ethiopian boy who, who grew up in his first 12 years in a mud hut, very poor. And then he was adopted by, by my friends Mary Louise Bruce Cohen and brought to, to Washington, D.C. But he had such a passion of worship and adoration for Christ. He used to, he used to come to me and, and, and he used to say, do you realize that Jesus, what Jesus did to this man, the blind man, he gave him sight and was all very excited about him, very, very excited. And now he, he only lived 15 years till osteosarcoma, the cancer, took his life. I'm looking forward to seeing him in heaven. I know he's going to run up to me and he's going to say, Tom, do you realize that Jesus took away my osteosarcoma? I don't have it now, you know. But he spent the last three years of his life in Mary Louise and Bruce's home, and he is dying of cancer, and he brought sunshine into that home because he personally was so excited and adored Christ, and he found it for himself. It wasn't because other people told him, and that was what made the difference. And there was a time when Pilate asked Christ about himself, and there was a conversation between them and John 18.33, John 18.33, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of, tell thee of me? So the Lord heard Pilate say the words, really joyful words, which are king of the Jews. Those are happy words, joyful words. And then, then the Lord asked him a question and said, are you saying that from within you? Is that coming from yourself, a conclusion that you have come to, or did someone else tell it to you? He wants to know. Did you discover that on your own? Because that's the key. That's the key. He wants people to come to him of themselves because they've come to this conclusion, not because others told them. This was behind when I wanted to find, when I was looking for God and seeking God, I wanted it to be from me. I told nobody. What I, I went to no church. I just wanted to get alone and look for God. And I did it two hours after work every day. And I told my wife I had to work two hours extra after work. I didn't even want her to know. Because it was personal, because it was search, it was deep, and I was looking for God. And I, when I found God, I wanted it to be real for me. You know, I'd been a a student at Miami University, and, and I knew how to listen to professors. I know how to read books. I knew how to be able to just restate what someone else said. But for me, I didn't want God that way. I didn't want to find God that way, just to repeat what someone else said. That's why Jesus said to Pilate in John 18, 34, John 18, 34, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee? Pilate, are you just repeating what someone else told you, or have you really discovered it for yourself that I am the king of the Jews? And that was the question, and that's why God wants people to seek him themselves, find him themselves by revelation from the Father, and that's why Jesus told his disciples in verse 20, in verse 20, then charged to his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much, Lord, for being so good and revealing so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.